0: Meat Your Maker makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup, guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry, and Meat ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeatYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount and get ready to DIY this fall. This episode of the
1: Flushman Dustin podcast is brought to you by Hunt Ready, reliable equipment driving inspiration in the outdoors. And all of their equipment is sourced and handcrafted here in the US of A. Their mission is to build gear that's extremely durable. Highly versatile and ultra light to further enable your journey into the field, regardless of where the road may lead. So be sure to go out and check out HuntReady at huntred That's HuntReady.com. This episode is also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. They're focused on the safety and comfort of our hunting dogs. We personally carry the Gundog Outdoors first aid kit as it has all of the items that we need. To keep our dogs safe in the event of an injury, be sure to go check out gundogoutdoors.com and use code ringnecks to save you some cash. Hunters, welcome back to another Flushem and Dustin podcast. Tonight we have Jake Thomas on. He is a falconer. He's actually in his first or last year was kind of his first year so he's getting started in it learning growing uh so we're excited to have him on obviously you can see if you're watching on the video he has his bird with him uh inside super cool to see uh but jake if you want to introduce yourself and uh, we'll take it from there
2: oh yeah just i'm jake thomas uh grew up hunting uh running german shorthairs uh running all over the country chasing birds and uh like I said, just kind of – I've been around Falconry for a long time, just kind of dove in this last year, and, man, it's, it's so much fun. It's it's wild. But Yeah.
1: Uh, where are you really, based out
2: really of? It. So I'm out of El Dorado, Kansas, which if you know where Wichita is, it's about 30 minutes east of there. I'm kind of right on the edge of the Flint Hills is where okay. I'm at, on the western edge of the Flint Hills.
1: Nice. So you, uh, before we were online talking, you were saying that uh, where you're located, they have a uh, – kind of a get together for falconry or something of that nature that you've been around yeah, for a yeah. while. Can you kind of explain that and uh, dive into some details?
2: Yeah. So, uh, they have a, it's, it's an AFC meet, which is just a falconry organization. Uh, a bunch of falconers get together. They come down here and fly chickens, uh, right around my neighborhood. And, you know, chickens are kind of the crown jewel in falconry. I think Tyler Sladen talked about that on here, maybe. And, yep. uh, he, uh, anyway, they, uh, but I'll get together and hawk chickens here. And these guys, uh, kind of, I grew up on a ranch outside of El Dorado, Kansas. Uh, and we have some chickens around and stuff like that. These guys see them on our field, uh, right off some blacktop, the field that we rented. And, uh, they pull up to the house, these two dudes in this white van and they knock on the door and say, Hey, uh, we would really like to hunt these chickens. I was like, well, I hunt chicken. You know, I'm, I'm a 10 or 11 year old kid. Uh, I I let them know. I was like, hey, you know, uh, chicken season's been over for a while because, you know, falconry season's an extended season. It goes until uh, March 31st for the upland season here. And, you know, this is the early March when these guys are coming up and knocking on the door. So I let them know, you know, chicken season's over and this and that. They said, well, we're trying to catch them with falcons. And, you know, me as a kid who uh, was enthralled with outdoors, always been interested in birds of prey and wildlife and everything, I was – I was i mean hooked immediately I, I asked these guys what they were talking about they showed me a falcon and they're like well yeah we catch them with these And i was like this can't even be real you know okay. um uh, we didn't have internet so it's not like i could watch youtube videos or anything like that um anyway we go out uh put the guy's falcon up uh the way falcons hunt they go up uh you know ideally about 1200 feet and uh you put them up over some game or a pointing dog or over like a cattle pond, or if you're hunting ducks or a pointing dog, if you're hunting chickens or, or pheasants, And, uh, ideally your bird's going to mount up in the, up in the air, let's just say a thousand feet. And they're going to come right down about, you know, right down on the game. And, you know, on that, what you call a stoop. And, um, anyway, we mounted the bird up and the chickens took off as <laughs> the guys bird took off after some crows. It was just a real ordeal. And, uh, they ended up setting another, getting another bird out, and they, they they'd been training. You know, there's no chickens left or anything like that. They they were already in the next county, and uh, they threw a hen pheasant, and just pillow the bird came down and pillowcased it, and that was man, that was it for me. You That's know, crazy. But, uh, oh, it was wild. You know, it's it it sounded like a it was like a dull thud. You know, from like 200 yards away, you could hear that that falcon <laughs> slap, slap a pheasant. You know, it was wild. That's and, nuts. Um, yeah, and uh, you know me, kind of growing up on a ranch and uh, knowing everybody, working for everybody. I was kind of just stuck with those guys since, in a good way. And, yeah, uh, no kidding. Would run around, get permission. I'd go fly cattle ponds with them on ducks mostly, and, and the guys that were there to hunt chickens, we'd go hunt chickens. Um, it was just it was just a blast, and I I've, I've been involved and with around it for a long time. And the guy that actually came up and knocked on my door, um, is he was living in Illinois at the time, moved to Kansas just specifically target chickens and uh with his falcons and now he's actually who my sponsor is if um and your sponsors who takes you through the process of falconry okay so so yeah it kind of mentors you throughout the whole thing you know that's kind of their position legally and everything like that so yeah
1: what is that that legal process to be a sponsor do you know do they have to pass some sort of test or is it
2: so a sponsor would be someone who's, who's a lot, uh, gosh, I can't talk. Um, who's, who's just a licensed Falconer that's out of their apprenticeship. They can, um, they can take you on it. So there's, you start, there's an apprenticeship uh, you're re- You're a regular Falconer and then a master Falconer. Uh, this guy had been doing it forever. So he was a master Falconer, which essentially just means he was doing it for se- at least seven years. Okay. Um, but anyway, no, he could take me on as a mentor and kind of work, work, with the process of falconry and managing bird weight, good animal husbandry, and, you know, maybe helping you find hunting spots, stuff like that. But you go, you know, he was, he'd already been through all the tests, been doing it forever. Um, Whenever you start your apprenticeship, you have to go through, um, it's just a written test. It's actually, fairly easy you know it's designed for you know uh you can legally start doing falconry i believe in kansas i think it's you can be 14 years old so it's designed for 14 okay. year olds with maps, so i barely passed it
1: <laughs> <laughs> at the uh, what are you like 22 uh, 28, man, 28 no barely passed it that's <laughs> it all right
2: exactly right um but no I, I you know you pass the test you get to go out with your sponsor you trap your own bird and um then you go through that for two years you can either fly that bird for your first year let it go or you can do what i'm doing which is called interviewing a bird which means you're going to keep it through its molting process um so i flew this this red tail hawk right here her name's bird reynolds um uh, (laughs) uh, that's an awesome name thanks man
1: (laughs) we uh, ended up
2: catching a few bunnies and had a really good time i wish i would have kind of got started a little earlier with her it took me a while to actually trap a bird it's not as easy as you think it is for some folks that you know just nothing ever worked out for me uh um,
1: yeah how'd you do how the trapping can you explain the trapping how
2: you yes, trapped her it, it's pretty simple it's called a bc trap uh it stands for balchardi um it's basically oh man it's, it's kind of like a little almost like a little rat cage and you just take uh, you know, I, I use like 40 pound test fishing line okay. and you type the same knot that's like a hondo knot for a, like a lasso, you know, yep. and it's just, you put a bunch of loops, you know, two, 300 loops on the top of it. And, um, I, we actually tried for a lot, my, my, my falconry sponsor is kind of a falcon guy, you know, he'd, he'd trap prey falcons and stuff and he'd use starlings, you know, like little European starlings, little blackbirds. And, uh, you know, I don't know, the red tails just didn't seem to care for it too much. Um, I ended up getting my hands on some A couple of rats. I have a buddy that raises snakes. So yeah, and I like we. So whenever you're trapping your bird, you have to trap a bird of the year, which means, um, you know, a bird that was hatched that that spring. So the way to tell with red tails is well, the most simple way to tell with red tails is their tails not red, right? So it's they're brown, they're solid brown. Um, And then after their first molting year, which I'll show you guys in a bit. Uh, yeah. they'll have red tail feathers coming in. You can see my birds losing feathers right now and regrowing her adult feathers. And she has some, uh, just crimson red tail feathers coming in. They're about two inches long right now. So nice. she's growing them in now, but, uh, it's kind of, you know, it's, it, uh, you got to look at a lot of hawks to find the right one. Some days you, uh, you know, we, we were trying to trap for gosh, like two weekends and it just, you know, we would look at 200 hawks and we, we were having a ton of trouble finding what you call a passage bird.
1: Um, What's the difference between a passage bird and just a a normal red-tail hawk?
2: Okay, so there's a passage and what you call a haggard, which, okay. and that's just falconry t- terminology for um, passage being a bird of the year and a haggard being a bird that's at least a year old already has that solid red tail, um, okay. and you can't legally take those. So, okay. so yeah, that's you gotta to find that, that brown bird. And uh, anyway, we ended up finding one. I got had a rat in the trap, and man. I didn't, <laughs> I, I dropped the trap under this bird. It was actually in the place that I work at. Um, I seen her fly across the road. We were just kind of tootling around on some, on some back roads. And we, uh, I see this hawk fly across the road lights up on a telephone pole right on the edge of town, right across from the lot that I work at. Um, and, uh, we get back behind her, see her tails Brown. We're like, Oh heck yeah, this is good to go. You know, we go out in the parking lot where I work and drop the trap and, um, we get turned around in the parking lot. I'm like, Oh man, that bird flew off the pole. Cause it happened to us a couple of times. The bird just flew off and yeah. uh, we were trying to trap, you know, and we turn around and my sponsor goes, she's on the trap. And so <laughs> we're all out in the truck, you know, my the bird, this bird here is just sitting on the trap, you know, flapping her wings, get up there and safely secure, you know, throw, get a coat over and get her cut free and uh, get a hood on her and stuff like that. And once you do that, they're, they're real docile, you know, yeah. um, they can't see what they're doing. They, you know, it's, it was, it was a cool, cool experience. I'd never yeah. been a part of
1: that. So it was awesome. That is awesome. So yeah. after you, after you got Bert Reynolds in the trap, did you already have yeah. the name picked out before you caught her?
2: No, not really. My, my fiance wanted to call her muffins or something. <laughs> you know, we settled on Burt Reynolds real quick. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's awesome. So after uh, you caught her, uh, got her secured and everything, what's your process of, introducing her to uh, i'm guessing her cage i can't remember exactly what the the name of it is um oh, no, and it's, that process
2: yeah so it's called her muse and uh m-e-w-s uh muse and uh you know i actually started my bird excuse me i started working with her in, just in my garage you know um, yeah. i had a muse set up and it was just real simple for me to just walk out to the shop and work with her that's kind of it might be frowned upon by some folks but it worked great for me and i don't have anything in there for her to hurt herself on anyway she's tethered to basically to her perch and you know she can't really fly anywhere she's just kind of hanging out throughout the day and i would just go and work with her in the morning work with her in the evening and you know uh it it does take some time you know they kind of start you know it's it's a it's a trust building thing um you know, they kind of just put them on your glove, you get them to start eating off your glove. Then pretty soon you get them to take a couple of steps to your glove. And then the next thing you know, they're jumping to your glove. The next thing you know, they're flying to your glove. This is, this is a couple of week process. And, uh, then, you know, after that, I actually got COVID. So I had so much time on oh, my hands yeah. for a few weeks. It worked. It couldn't have worked out better actually. And, uh, I ended up, you know, I had her out flying and stuff like that very, very soon. So it was it was a lot of fun going through that process. I don't, my only regret is I wish I would have got her started a little, got her caught a little quicker in the year and, uh, got going a little faster.
1: So what, what time of year did you, uh, catch her?
2: Gosh, I want to say it was like, hmm, I'm not exactly sure on the date. It was in November. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Late November, something like that. I think that's right. Um, it was later, you know, a lot of people end up trapping their birds and, uh, you know, a little earlier than that, in October maybe. I'm not real sure, but okay. we were trying to trying to trap in October and stuff, and um just like I said, had a little difficulty. Couldn't deal with my sponsor a lot, and you kind of, you know, you kind of got to have them there to to trap a yeah. bird, especially yeah. when you never handled, you know, a totally wild one before.
1: Yeah. How long after you trap the bird uh, are you able to take it hunting? Obviously, it depends on training, but what's the typical time frame before you feel comfortable enough?
2: So me being an apprentice and not really, you know, knowing what I was doing, understanding weight management, understanding the social cues of the bird, um, just kind of going through just, oh man, just try, trials and tribulations of figuring it out. Now I could probably do it in, gosh, you know, five or six weeks I could have my bird ready to hunt. Oh, um, Really? and stuff like that. But, you know, it took me it took me a long time, two and a half months. You know, my my sponsor runs his own business, so he was limited on the time so he could come help me. I was really thankful I had another local falconer to come and help me a little bit when he couldn't and stuff like that and just kind of get the ball rolling for me. Um, yeah. And it, it all worked out great. You know, we had a great, you know, I got a hunter really about five or six weeks um, towards the end of our season and stuff like that, and we just had a ball once I got her going. It was yeah. so much
1: fun what uh what uh species did you hunt her on this past year
2: so she's she's just a red-tailed hawk so you know i'm not flying her on quail or anything like that um you know they'll catch quail if they stay on the ground or a pheasant they might ground pound one um but 99 percent she's you know um rabbits and squirrels i didn't actually end up catching a squirrel i didn't you know i never in kansas you don't go too far out of your way to hunt squirrels or at least i never (laughs) have and uh you know, so I didn't really understand what qualified as really good squirrel cover, but I I knew what good rabbit cover was, and and just you know, I didn't want to experiment too much. I kind of wanted to get out and just hunt my birds since I was already on a kind of a time restraint, you know, towards the end of the season. Yeah. And legally, I can t- I could have I think I could have even took rabbits after our falconry season because there it's a year round harvest here in Kansas. But I I you know I wasn't ready to do that and our turkey season was opening up. with big yeah. turkey owner, so. I didn't yeah, wanna don't want to ruin
1: that. Yeah. for oh,
2: sure. Yeah, yeah I got to hear them gobblers, man. So yeah. uh, So no, we uh we got out and just pretty much chased rabbits. She uh she actually ended up hitting a rooster pheasant, which was crazy. And uh I was so excited. I was jumping up and down. I thought she just pounded the thing, but it ended up getting away from her. And uh you know, is we had a lot of fun, man. And we had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Do you uh is there any so when you're out hunting, is there any commands that you give her like a whistle so she knows you're way over here because she's perched up obviously like you said 1200 feet is that what it was
2: oh no Um, so those are that's like when you're hunting ducks with a falcon so okay essentially a red tail or at least my red tail some guys can soar them and you know if they do it's a really low soar, so it's like a 100 feet or 200 feet maybe i'm wrong about that i've never done that so um but i know some guys that definitely have um but no, like, essentially, like if you think about walking down a hedgerow, my, my bird is either going to stay, like, one or two trees ahead of me, behind me, or right next to me, is the idea. Or, you know, she may cruise around a little bit and go to a tree that she thinks is good hunting, too, because they know a good cover looks like yeah. also, man. I caught quite a, a handful of my rabbits I caught just kind of following her. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty unique. Um, but no, as, essentially, they just, I mean, she's just kind of going to follow me through the trees, or I'm going to follow her, you know? Yeah. So, it was a lot of fun, you know, after the first couple of hunts, you know, I got my dog involved and it, it, it became a lot, a lot of
1: fun. Yeah. Did they hunt pretty well together?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, I have an old, you know, I have some older dogs, uh, two older dogs. I only ended up hunting one of them with her because one of them was recovering from a torn muscle in chicken season. And um, anyway, uh, he's just a dead broke gun dog. You know, I probably wouldn't introduce a puppy to her, but yeah. I, I never had one. I only had one little issue. And it wasn't even real bad about the bird, little dog bird entanglement type deal. It's just a dog got too close and it never did happen again. I can guarantee it. So, um, and it, like I said, it wasn't that bad that, um, uh, you know, any dog that understands social cues, um, from other dogs, it doesn't take a lot for them to figure out that they don't want to be that close to that hawk because they posture up. They know that they're a threat, um, you know, that, that they could hurt them. So yeah. any dog with a little, little bit between the ears, it doesn't take a lot for them to figure out that, Hey. I don't need to be close to this thing.
1: Yep, yeah, for sure. How do, yeah. how does your Hawk, uh, dispatch the bird or the, the game? Is it, do, does the Hawk do that or do you do that? No. So
2: I mean, you know, in time, you know, the Hawk would, but uh, yeah. no, I get up there just as quick as I can. And he mainly dispatch the rabbit because, you okay. know, it sounds like a lot of times if you're, you know, my bird will hit him hard enough that it kills them dead on impact. And, <laughs> uh, it, which is pretty gnarly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, a lot of times it's a snatch and grab and, uh, you know, you just get out there. It sounds like somebody turned a coyote call on real loud. So. Yeah, oh yeah,
1: for sure. Oh, yeah. I've That's crazy. <laughs> coyote calls
2: are really accurate to what they sound like.
1: Really? That is <laughs> yeah. awesome. That would be nuts yep. to see. How fast, how fast do you think your bird's flying when it's coming down towards its prey? Do you have any idea?
2: Oh, so she, um, she, she isn't going to go real fast or anything like that. You know, she's a red tail. It just kind of depends on, um, you know, just how high she is when she's going after something. Um, you know, if she's coming off a telephone pole she's going better than terminal velocity, um, come down just and hit flying. something she's very, you know, um, compared to like the bird that Tyler Sladen flies, uh, she's quite a bit larger than, than his bird hash brown was. Um, you know, she's right. Uh, you know, her hunting weight was right at three and a half pounds, you know, um, just, you know, most people weigh their birds in grams. Um, I, I never really got into the grams thing. My sponsor ended up giving me, hold on, let me go set this thing down.
1: No
0: worries. (laughs) Have you ever wanted to process your own wild game from start to finish? Meat, your maker, has you covered. Meat makes professional-grade grinders, vacuum sealers, sausage stuffers, dehydrators, and just about everything else to turn your garage, deer camp, or kitchen into a meat processing haven. Meat only sells their processing tools direct to consumer, cutting out the retailer markup, guaranteeing you the best price. Meat also has the only lifetime warranty in the industry and meet ships your tools direct to you for free. Visit MeetYourMaker.com and use code WAYPOINT for an exclusive discount and get ready to DIY this fall.
2: My apologies. Uh, She's kind of been in her mew and has I heard people, has I heard my mouth running very much lately. She
0: she didn't (laughs) really like that talking
2: too much, too close to her. Yeah, she was getting a little antsy there. But anyway... um, No. So she's about three and a half pounds. Um, you know, she, her hunting weight was like 42 ounces, 40, 42 to 43 ounces was really where she really kind of found her stride and had a lot of power and, uh, would just, Oh man, she was just a powerhouse.
1: Yeah. That'd be awesome. Just seeing, just crunch them on the ground. Oh
2: man, it is. And the trouble with rabbits is, you know, a lot of times unless you're kind of hunting like an more open woodlot or something like that, the good rabbit cover, you don't actually get to see it a lot, Oh Um, yeah, you know, knee high, real thick grass, briars, brush, cedar trees, whatever. You you definitely get to see it sometimes. And I actually ended up catching quite a few bunnies right off a of point. All my dogs are, you know, they're just kind of some trashy meat dogs. So they, they do point bunnies because I do like to eat them even before I got into falconry. So yeah. uh, I, I'd, I'd take some bunnies over them and stuff like that. So it was a really, it was an extremely easy transition for my dogs. And uh, we ended up, like I said, taking a few over points and, you know, like it was, the bird the dog would go on point and just oh man it was a great chase and you then the bird would just right your face it is oh. it is it's the biggest adrenaline rush i've had you know for yeah. a long time so, that would yeah. be
1: super cool uh yeah, cool, man how long so how long do you plan? you so your bird is currently in the molting process right uh-huh. yep. um how long after molting uh do you plan on keeping her around
2: so I, my plan is to fly her throughout my whole imprint, apprenticeship, which is uh, two falconry seasons. And okay. I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to keep her through her molt um, all summer. And uh, I'll, I'll be flying her this fall. So, yeah, she's going right. to go through a molt, hopefully be done in like October-ish and uh, about that first frost, and we're going to get after it.
1: Nice. And then so would next year be considered your second season or would you start this as your first season just since you started nope. late? be second so next
2: year will be my first season
1: yeah okay. or i'm
2: sorry i'm sorry but next year will be my second season yeah. what am i talking
1: about nice that's pretty cool and then so what okay, yeah. what made you land on the red tail hawk over other hawks i guess
2: okay so when you're going through your apprenticeship in kansas you can either have a red tail hawk a red shouldered hawk or an american kestrel. um red shoulders they're not hmm. And they look pretty similar to a red tail, actually. The red tails are just super plentiful. Um, American are they're little bitty sparrow hawks. So um, they're – oh, gosh, somebody's going to grill me for getting this wrong. You know, they're not much bigger than a turtle dove, you know. Or maybe yeah. You know, they're, they're not big. And the reason 90% of, you know, uh, apprentices go with a red tail is because if you're a little bit off um, weight-wise on a red tail – it's not a real big deal. They're a big hardy bird. You know, if, if you get your, you get your kestrel a little too low and, or, you know, uh, weight wise and stuff like that, you know, it could be a bad deal. They could get sick, but, um, there's just a ton of red tails. So that's kind of what they yeah, go You know most people go with. And they're really mannable hawks. They're, they're just, they're great, you know, just all around hawks, you know?
1: Yeah, for sure. What is your, what's your plan for after a red tail, once you're done with your apprenticeship, do you have an idea of what you'd be looking for or wanting to get Absolutely.
0: into
2: I, I would really like to have a just a big old female goshawk is kind of what i'm leaning towards um big enough like so since you've talked to tyler he's kind of my buddy he he has a male goshawk and you know he kind of catches quail and uh, a bunch of cottontails, stuff like that i ideally you know i don't i don't know how many ducks he's caught with his bird but um you know i have just a ton of cattle, p- small little cattle ponds, which are very ideal for goshawks, um, little drainage ditches. Um, you know, in falconry, you kind of fly what quarry you have. You know, we have pheasants, quail, chickens. Kansas is a good place for falconry, man. Uh, a ton of rabbits, a um, lot of ducks through, throughout the migration. And in and, and falconry, you actually get to hunt the reverse migration in, in uh, March. Oh, really? so, yeah, it's really cool. You know, those ducks that you might not get a in full plumage. Yeah. um like if you're if you're a gun hunter you know like i always have been uh you, you how often you get to take a full plumage blue wing teal uh you know never yeah you know? so so you know you get a hunt them in march you know those blue wing teal are just beautiful when they come out but then it's a catch-22 because your your falcon comes down and pounds them and just starts ripping them <laughs> up. ripping them off it's not yeah. that pretty but, yeah uh, no it, it is really cool and like a lot of times in our reverse migration here, you can look at a pond and it'll have eight different duck species on. It's so much fun.
1: Yeah. When they, when the birds catch a duck, uh, are they hitting them on the water or are they hitting them mid-flight?
2: No, no, they're hitting them mid-flight ideally. Um, yeah. So like I said, like with a the falcon, they're coming down, you know, 100, 120 miles an hour. Ideally Jeez. it'd be like a peregrine a jeer peregrine hybrid or you know whatever falcon a choice you're flying you know some guys fly prey falcons some guys fly whatever um you know uh it's so cool because you know with modern technology they have these things that are called marshall transmitters it's basically like a like a garmin 300i for for your for your yeah. falcon you know you can visually like it's on like my sponsor has his on an ipad you can watch the whole flight in like 3d watch um you know just a tracer come up throughout through on a like like on basically like on on x maps and uh you can watch it like the way the bird flew how fast they went uh what angle you know, it's just crazy oh, dude, that's, that's awesome going. it's so wild man technology's crazy yeah and, uh, i'm over here with my red tail and i just have a set of bells on her ankles and <laughs> that's my yeah.
1: technique
2: we finding her but uh mine bird's not going real far so that that's why it works
1: yeah man i didn't know that they had um that technology to be does it just attach like to their to their neck or like where on their foot or something
2: um some guys do it different i think tyler had his bird uh it goes on his yeah i think he had it on his leg most guys um you know different birds are different uh how people train are different uh a lot of guys have a little backpack system i don't really know how it works i think they um it, it's just rigged up to go on the center of their back is basically yeah. how clips okay. into a little flip, you know yeah. and it's super cool it looks like they're yeah, it looks like they're carrying a little little pin yeah. transmitter. Oh, I don't know. Oh, half the size of a pinhead. It's it's not, it's not very big.
1: Yeah, so it doesn't weigh them down or anything like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Do uh, do you think uh, so obviously you hunted with guns for so oh, long, absolutely. and absolutely. you know you've transitioned to falconry slash guns. Do you see yourself this coming season? Uh, well, I, I should say once. I guess obviously when you bird hunt, you're probably not gonna you're gonna carry a gun and not your hawk, you know. But down the road, like if you got a goshawk or something, do you think you would gun hunt as much, or do you think you'd just stick mainly to to falconry?
2: Um, no, I you know I love wing shooting, so I, it would absolutely be both. And the cool thing about you know falconry is if if you're gonna go hit a few patches uh with your dogs and your shotgun you know at the crack of dawn and get out there and stomp some milo stubbler or a cattail jar or whatever and shoot some roosters um you know ideally maybe i could go get out on some ducks with my goshawk or you know now i can go um fly some bunnies with my red tail in the evenings or you know i can just make a full day out of everything if i you know if i go ahead and limit out let's say i shoot a limit of roosters i can go pick up the hawk and go chase some bunnies you yeah. know um, it's always going to be a big you know it's going to always going to be both for me um yeah there's not much I don't like to hunt so yeah yeah. you know I do a ton of coyote calling love hunting turkeys uh love wing shooting I deer hunt a little uh just if if beef was cheaper I'd probably just eat beef instead of eating deer
1: uh... (laughs) nothing's cheap right now
2: no kidding man
1: what uh, uh what's been probably what's been the most rewarding part we'll start with that since you've not just since you've been in Falcon, but since you've had your own Falcon Uh uh, or your own Hawk, you know, what's been your, the biggest reward so far?
2: So I, man, outside of the first, the first catch was super cool. Um, The first catch off the point was super cool, but honestly, I, uh, you know, just the first free flight uh, after taking that time and training and dedicating so much time to the craft and, um, just whenever you kind of unclip that bird, their first flight ever off your wrist, and they actually end up following you and not just <laughs> flying off to the never never land. That was like a freaking drug, man. I was like, this is so awesome, you know. Yeah. Um we you know, obviously the first flight, we didn't end up catching anything. Um it was just kind of a tour around 20 acres right here on the edge of town, which has a nice. bunch of bunnies, you know, and we kind of, it was, there was a little snow on the ground and just seeing what the, the way the bird moved through the trees, it was just awe inspiring. You know, it was so much fun. And is. Just, oh man. I can't, I can't even put words to it. You know, um, that sounds a little silly maybe, but until you experience it, it's like seeing your dog go on point here. on their, their first wild bird, you know? Yep. It's, it's it Oh, and soft. just
1: the, the amount of time that you put into it. And I'm sure you did, you know, obviously you had a an awesome situation where you kind of, uh, grew up a little bit around it, you know, mm-hmm. with, with those guys and whatnot. But I, I mean, I can't imagine the amount of work that it takes to even get to a point where you think you can even take on a red tail hawk. Like, yeah. you know, you like, know What is, I mean, what did you have to do to like set up your house to set up your schedule? I mean, what does that all look like?
2: So it really worked out really well for me. You know, um, most of the time, I can't speak for everybody, but like my sponsor was just incredibly generous. You know, he should be. I've been taking him on for years. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. exactly. You got him on. <laughs> no, he, was, he was incredibly generous. And so were a lot of other Falconers. Just even if it wasn't, you know, them helping me out with equipment, it was their time. You know, um, I can't thank them enough, you know, all of them, you know, because there's quite a few. Uh, but it kind of came pretty easy for me because I, I had a chicken coop. I converted all on my place. that was two oh, nice. eggs. Um, so you kind of got to have, it's like an eight by eight structure uh, for your muse. And then um, basically all I really had to do, I had to build a little outside pin, which was super easy. Um, it actually took more time than doing anything. I did anything else, you know? Um, but anyway, and all I had to do is install some slats in a window instead of chicken wire. The oh, biggest nice. no, no, is just having chicken wire. So, so yeah, no, it was, it came, it came super easy
1: yeah what what's uh why don't you have chicken wire what's the uh, behind oh, that can,
2: you know if they fly up against it you know they kind of jam their feathers in it and they break easy like okay. um what i have is just like i have a buddy that's an electrician that got me a bunch of uh one inch electric conduit um, oh, nice. like, uh, aluminum conduit or whatever and you know i just drilled some holes in some two by fours and ran those through there and stuck them up in the window of that chicken coop like i said it was you know it's yeah. like a 45 minute project and I was set and uh then the game warden comes over and inspects your muse inspects your equipment make sure you have food for your bird and they're like okay you're good yep. to go gonna go trap your bird
1: nice do you have to register your bird with the state or anything uh each year or how does that look
2: I'm not sure about each year you know um I think you gotta let them know when you let it go um, okay and yeah, I should probably know all that for by heart, but I don't. <laughs>
1: yeah, but uh, you can always look at it. But no,
2: I, I got about as much, as much uh, paperwork on that hawk as I do my pickup, so.
1: Really? Oh, yeah. So what do, do you just have to turn it into the DNR when you catch it, or is it – No, so I think you just got to like? let them
2: know. Um, like in Kansas, I didn't have to have a trapping permit for my okay. tail. They just had to know I was doing it. Um, the only thing you have to have a trapping permit in Kansas for, I think, is the peregrine falcon. Okay. So, and nice. that's just – yeah it's because they're heavily mandated so
1: yeah yeah for sure what's been probably the biggest struggle that you've had to take on with falconry
2: you know it was just kind of there in the beginning really um was the biggest struggle for me is just understanding the weight management and just the 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 husbandry with the bird and you know like i said the social cues and stuff you know and um just understanding all that a book can only teach you so much. Um, yeah. Having an experienced falconer there to help you a lot as the best thing you can have or have a good friend on the phone. Um, that's a falconer, you know, uh, that, that was the biggest struggle for me. Honestly, once we got out and got hunting and started catching game, it was a freaking breeze. Um, you know, we had a ton of wind this spring. So I was limited on the days I could actually hunt. Once I got hunting and kind of got in the groove of it and got the dog uh, my first couple hunts, my first couple rabbit catches, I didn't actually have a dog. It was just uh, my cousin's really enthralled with it. He was running around with me and we'd flushed a few bunnies and stuff like that, caught a couple. And then I'm like, you know what? I got a pin full of these German dogs. I think I'm I'm going to cut one loose and just see what happens. You know, I started working with, started working with the bird and working with the dog. I'm like, yeah, this is going to work. You know, yeah. no problem. No factor. Went out and um, stomped some patch, stomped a little, little patch of brush and, Uh, dog went on point out came a bunny down came the bird you know and that was all that was the end of it you know and then then after that i think i went um i caught 14 rabbits in five weeks of hunting and i think i either went eight in a row or nine in a row and the only reason my streak really ended i had a really good friend from out of town that wanted to see it just super bad and uh he's a border patrol guy down in south texas and uh he was so so excited to see it. It was a real windy day, and my bird ended up missing twice. And uh, oh. I mean, we're hunting like a thirty mile. Run. I shouldn't. If it would have just been me, I would have set it out, you know, and yep. uh, just went the next day. But he wanted to see it super bad, so I tried to show him, you know, kind of kind of put it into my streak. So yeah, uh, but it was still good either way. It taught me a lesson, you know.
1: Yep, for sure. What uh,
2: should have just, just let him hold it for a picture?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No kidding, dude. That'd be awesome. Just even just yeah just having one of those birds i mean it's pretty oh, badass man, it's so just even
2: fun. it's a front row seat to national geo yeah to nature's metal on instagram as well i mean
1: is. that's as that's as real as it gets right predator Absolutely, versus prey right there i mean you 100%. can't you can't get any closer than that unless no, you're you the really the one you know? being ate by the predator <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: that's yeah i don't want that front row ticket <laughs>
1: no do you uh when uh so some like some dogs can kind of become possessive of birds you know when they go go to retrieve or possess of like a bone or something does do hawks have that at all you know like when you do when they run up and they catch one and you go up to grab it from is there something that you have to do to like help make sure they don't like try to get you or anything or talon you or something
2: Okay. So what, um, like, let's say my bird has a rabbit down. I would, ideally I would go up there gentle and slow. You know, you don't run up on them. Uh, the first few times I tethered my dog up, you know, 15 feet away. And just so there wasn't an accident, you know, my dog yep. already knew he didn't need to be up there, but still, I just didn't want to mishap. I, you know, cause be easy for a dog to lose an eye or something, you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's better that way. So, but once once we were good to go, we were good to go, you know. Um, but anyway, no, like you go up on your bird, I get down on their level, kind of, and uh, you do what's called a trade off. So, um, your first, like my first couple of bunnies I caught, I let my bird fill, um, which is I just let her eat as much as about as much as she wanted to of the first couple of bunnies, just so she, you know, she knew she was doing a good thing. Yeah. But the trouble with that is once they once they eat a ton, you know, they're not going to want to hunt the next day. You know, their bellies are full. They're going to, you know, they're just going to hang out. If you let them go up in a tree, they might just hang out and uh, just look down at you. And that's about all they're going to do. They're not going to (laughs) fly around and want to hunt for you. Uh, Cause they say, Hey, you know, I'm enjoying this nice sunshine and nobody can bother me up here, but when they're ready to hunt um, that's what you want. So that, that's, that kind of comes into that weight management thing I was talking about. So what you do, like, uh, let's say, I catch a bunny and I really want to hunt the next day. I'm going to go up there with a, with a piece of rabbit meat. and just whatever I got, you know, just something with a little bit of meat, and a little bit of fur for them to look at. And ideally I would take my glove hand with my falcon For those that can see, I just have, it's basically a fancy welding glove is all it is just double stitched leather, um, pretty tough gloves. So those talons don't penetrate. Yeah. And uh, I would go up there with a piece of meat on my glove and I'd put my ungloved hand, um, kind of over the bunny's head. This is just my way of doing it. Everybody has their own. I would offer that piece of meat up the, on that, you wow. know, something with a little meat, little hair, um, basically fluff. And uh, I would offer it up to that bird. And ideally, they're just going to step right up on your glove. You sneak the rabbit that they just caught out into your vest. Um, and you could either – I never got to the point where I was really ready to, ch- to chase a second rabbit for the day. I would catch one, let my bird fill uh, a little bit. Uh, pluck a little hair off the rabbit, trade them off. And I would go ahead and put my bird up and go, go back to the house. So um, this year I'm going to try to, you know, try to double up, maybe even triple up a little bit. Uh, my goal is, you know, trying to get them triple digits. And uh, I'm going to hit it really hard this season and, you know, try to get as many bunnies as I can caught this year. But, uh, but no, ideally you just, you just work that trade off and you get to slip that bunny into your bird vest and go on about your business.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you hunt back-to-back days ever with them? As uh, much as I can, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, okay. you know,
2: the determining factor for me was really just the wind. You Like I said, we had a super, like one of the windiest years on record. Yeah. Um, You know, we were battling on a 30-mile-an-hour winds, and, uh, you know, you just, it's hard to hunt. You know, I was going out after work that last 30, 45 minutes of daylight and catching bunnies. I'm really fortunate to have really good rabbit hawk and no know, and know people and stuff like that that have some, uh lots on the edge of town stuff like that you always uh we'll see bunnies at uh core engineers ground whatever it may be yeah. um that it, it was just real close to the house and i could run out in that last little bit of daylight that last 34 45 minutes hour of daylight and go fly my bird and put her on a bunny and be done with it get back to the house and eat some dinner yeah. you
1: know Yep. Yeah. do you do you weigh your bird daily Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So, so,
2: like I said, with the weight management, that is, for me, that's uh, and for everybody, that's the most important thing in falconry.
1: Yeah. Do they is do they fluctuate weight pretty easily, like day to day?
2: Yeah, and it can. You know, uh, a warmer day, they're not gonna lose as much weight. Uh, cooler day, they're gonna lose more. Yeah. Uh, the more bones, feathers, or fur they eat, um, and rich meat, like uh, like Fresh say catch. rabbits, rabbits super lean, quails super lean. You know, if you're feeding them goose meat uh it's super rich all the you know that dark dark red meat that looks like beef um you gotta watch when you feed them that because they just won't lose the weight near as fast that you need to keep them at that hunting weight
1: okay Did so let's say uh you go out uh you catch so you you're consistent with your one rabbit right and you let them eat Mm -hmm. a little bit um then do you let them eat that night do you come back weigh them and then give them a portion based on their weight or how does that work to like make sure that they're hungry enough to want to hunt the next day to be able to go back to back days
2: yeah absolutely so yeah a lot of times you know you would come back and feed them up a little bit um you know and that's the thing the big you know you just don't want to get them too low to where they're you know a little lethargic little weak um you know ideally like if let's say they're sitting on a dead tree um and they're sitting on a dead branch and 10 feet above them they can get a better perch well if they can power up to that the top of that um just fly straight if they're flying straight up and down getting up on branches and stuff like that they're they're in really good shape and plenty heavy and they're ready to hunt so um you know like i said it just it all boils down to weight management
1: yeah for sure do you during the off season are you flying them x amount of miles or like Uh, flying them so many times a day or so many minutes a day to keep them in shape or do you do something to like gear up for hunting shape per se
2: so in the off season when they're molting um their feathers are really fragile when they're coming in a lot of falconers don't really handle their birds at all during during the molt. um the reason i do is just understanding um in the summer how much weight they're gonna lose how much weight i how much i need to feed them this is my first year so i need to handle the bird as much you know not as much as i can um, I'm maybe pulling her out and weighing her um two times a week, you know, just kind
1: of
2: okay. fresh with her. You know, you seen her sitting behind me, she was pretty chill. You know, she didn't really like us talking a ton, but uh no, she um, you know, so I try to keep a handle on her. You know, I'm not flying her at all during the summer, but uh, you know, and until October I won't be. Yeah. So there's not much exercising going on. The the big idea is um keeping their weight where you want it and making sure they're growing those feathers good and not you know, getting themselves in any kind of trouble in their muse.
1: Yeah. How long does that molting process take? You know, for different birds, it's different.
2: Um, My, you know, uh, you know, it's a few months long. Uh, Right now, it looks like somebody shredded a hawk in my freaking muse right now. She's got feathers everywhere. Um, But uh, no, ideally, you know, she'll definitely, hopefully definitely be done by October and I can start working with her.
1: Yeah, for sure. So
2: it's a few month
1: long process. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you ever plan on having more bird or more than one bird at a time, or is that even a thing I don't know people do?
2: Oh yeah, no, definitely. Once I become that general class falconer and get out of my apprenticeship, I can have a couple different birds. And ideally, um, depending on just time load with work and stuff like that, it would be really fun to have, um, essentially a goshawk, you know, for something that I can hunt right over, directly over my dogs and have it, I'm, like I said, uh, right off the fist, uh, yeah, kind of in your face action. and. Being that we have a lot of chickens, I secretly want to catch a chicken with a goshawk just to spite some people because it's not a lot of people have done it. It's like, like I said, chickens are the crown jewel. And uh, there's only been like, like, I don't even know anybody that has caught a chicken with a goshawk. I'm sure it's been done before. But uh, now everybody's out catching chickens and ducks and stuff like that around here is flying long wings. So ideally I'd really like to have a goshawk and a long wing at some point, but I kind of want to master the goshawk thing for a few years before I even dip my toe into the, uh, the Falcon thing, you know, having what you call a long wing. So, um, in falconry, there's three main categories of Hawks and Falcons. Um, there's bootios, which is what my red tail is. It's B U T E O. And that's basically your broad winged Hawks, uh, your red tails, your red shoulders, um, Hawks, stuff like that. And then there's short wings, which are the quick, flighty birds like um, Cooper's hawks, goshawks, uh, sharp shins. What, like what Tyler Slayton flies is that goshawk. Yep. Um, then there's long wings, your peregrines, jeer uh, falcons, prairie falcons, all the above and you know, all that. So there's so many avenues in falconry you can go down. It's it's like an unlimited pursuit, man. Yeah. It's that's one of the cool things about it. You can live your whole life and do it and you can never see all of it.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Does Do you think, uh, or, or you probably know, is the training – between the three different categories of hawks different is the setup different or is a lot of it similar uh just different birds
2: um your training of a long wing is going to be quite a bit different and i i can't really speak to the goshawks hawks and stuff like that because i've never really got to be around one yeah. um, i actually stayed at tyler's house and we were going to go hunt the next day but i couldn't swing it with work and stuff like that i went down to arizona and quail hunt and crashed at his house in albuquerque on the way back and we were going to go uh, go try to chase scale quail with this hawk, but I, I couldn't swing and I already pushed my luck in days off at work. Oh, <laughs> there I had to get back, um, unfortunately. So I haven't even got to see that whole part of falconry. And that's why, maybe that's why I'm so enthralled with It's because I haven't got to see it. Yeah. But uh, with the long wings, uh, a lot of guys uh, kite train and uh, it's a lot different from what I'm doing. Um, you would like if you've seen what a uh, say like how they sailfish with big kites um yeah. if you know what i'm talking about off boats and stuff like that um what my sponsor does is a s- actual sailfish kite he has this dude he has a big candy van and uh has a <laughs> has a big old kite rig that he opens a sliding door and this kite comes out and you throw it up in the air you know how many ever hundred feet and your falcon spirals up to there and um I think I don't. I haven't del- dove into it. I'm speaking out of turn a little bit, but the yeah. idea is there's a piece of food up there, and they're going there, and they're like, "Hey, this is where the good things happen." At this is where I want to be, and then eventually you're putting them up there, and then you're flushing game for them, and they, you know, it's kind of a automatic switch.
1: Man, that'd be crazy to see those birds. Uh, be...
2: And a lot of guys are using drones for that now because they're it's way oh, easier. Yeah. But when it's ripping wind, I, I don't know how. I don't know shit about drones, but yeah, um, I assume you probably got to go to the kite.
1: Yeah, that would probably make sense. I don't know how you. Fly, I don't know how much wind a, a drone can handle. Um, do you, uh so the, where do you have to go to get, do goshawks come through Kansas?
0: I don't even know. Uh,
2: no, so where a lot of guys go to catch them is like mountain states. Uh, my buddy Casey, he pulled one from a nest in Maine. Tyler pulled his from a nest in New Mexico. A lot of guys go to like um Wyoming. It's okay. Kind of a hotbed for it, I think. Um, they're, they're everywhere, you know. I've we don't really get too many of them through here. The sippeters that we get, which is that kind of uh class of hawks, we get Cooper's hawks, they're everywhere here. Um, yeah. you know, I see them pretty much every day around my house and uh stuff like that. So, we don't, I mean, we're a little light on the goss hawks, unfortunately. Yeah, but uh, ideally, I'd like to go to a mountain state and pull one from a nest, it would be so cool.
1: That would be pretty awesome. What draws you to the goshawk Hawk compared to the, I can't remember the name that you just said, that other Hawk that you have, Cooper's Hawk.
2: Oh, the Cooper's Hawks. Um, so goshawks Hawks are a little more biddable, a little, little more trainable. Cooper's Hawks um, and Falconry, they just have a horrible reputation for being um, just real bitter Hawks, you know, hard to handle. And I got a book by a guy named Mike McDermott. Mike McDermott and, uh, you know, all these... All the really good falconers write books about it. And this dude is like, oh, my gosh. He's like the Michael Jordan of Falcons. <laughs> so, he uh, – now he – anyway, he has a big – he has a book about – it's mostly about – it's all about occipiters. And, um, you know, Cooper's Hawks are like the best bird there is when they're done right. And I'm I'm speaking out of turn a little bit because I've never been around one. This is just what I'm reading and what a lot of folks are telling me. Yeah. Um, that I'm going off of here. And like I said, any Falconers that are listening, this is my first year. So I'm probably, I'm speaking out of turn a little bit. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the Goss Hawks are a little more biddable. They're very common in Falconry, whereas Cooper's Hawks aren't because they aren't so biddable. Um, but like the good ones, when the right person has them in their hands, they are just absolute machines catching a couple hundred head a game in a season type thing.
1: Man, that's crazy. They're,
2: they are just, they're absolute machines.
1: Yeah, that would be, do a lot of guys or that you've talked to do they go after do they catch catch multiple species in the day? Like I mean, can these goshawks go after ducks and pheasants?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um so back in like in Europe in the old days, they used to call them innkeepers' birds because you know somebody that had a hotel could feed a host of guests with a goshawk because they could go out <laughs> a couple ducks, catch a pheasant, catch a rabbit. Um and that's like if it you know anybody who follows Tyler probably sees it. Uh you know he'll go catch three quail and a cotton tailor. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very, very common to catch different species in a day and that could be done with a, a host of birds, you know, guys that fly Harris hawks can catch ducks and bunnies and, um, stuff like that. And, and uh, falconry, or I mean, I'm sorry, falcons are kind of the, at least the ones I've been around are kind of like one shot and you're done kind of in the day, maybe two, you know, you're really only getting one or two flights in a day with a falcon, whereas yeah. a goshawk, you can freaking hunt all day, um, or a red even, you know, if they yeah. and it's all, it's all in, it's all in the owner, you know, who has the bird and how they're handling it. Um, the best falconers have the best results. Um, a lot of these birds are a mirror. And, you know, if you put the time in, it it reflects
1: very well. Yeah, for sure. Is What's the size between the goshawk and your red tail?
0: Because, so, like, mean, goshawk- when I
1: see the when I see Slayton's pictures, like, mm-hmm. obviously he must be taking them close up because that hawk looks pretty good size. But from what I remember, I think it was smaller than the red tail, isn't it?
2: Yeah, his, his male is quite a bit smaller. I think the female gossip so um, birds of prey, it's like they have sexual dimorphism, which is um, the males are always bigger than the females. I'm sorry, I said that backwards. The females are always bigger than the males. Um, yeah, old-fashioned old, old mix-up there. Yeah. But uh, no, so um, I don't know. My bird's quite a bit larger than Sladen's bird, you know, by, by a long shot. So a female goshawk would be fairly comparable, you know, within okay. – maybe I don't, I'm not sure. I haven't been around, like I said, I haven't got to really see the golf thing too much. And, yeah. uh, but I mean, they're fairly comparable in size and, uh, stuff like that.
1: Yeah. What's your, uh, so what's your, what's your future look like in, in Falconry? I think we've covered some of it, but what is, what are some of your, your goals as someone that's coming in new, just getting you first year under you, uh, having these aspirations, what are some of your goals, as a falconer and what do you want to kind of develop into?
2: So essentially what I want to do, I just want to become a specialist and understand, and just really be able to understand my bird and just understand how to put them on. And so whenever you're hunting, you call it, call it a slip in falconry. I want to be able to find the right slip for my bird that's safe for my bird. And they're going to have a lot of game in front of them. Um, Like I said, I, I want to chase those triple digits really hard this year and catch a bunch of bunnies and some squirrels and stuff like that and just really become you know just really efficient with it understand how my bird works and then move into the essentially I want to move into having a goshawk and catching pheasants right over right over my dogs off a point uh quit we have a we don't have a ton of pheasants right around me but we got a lot of bob whites a lot of chickens um I'd love to try the chicken thing like I said I'm probably gonna fail before a lot before I ever catch one hopefully it's by accident I, I don't yeah. care if it's by accident yeah as long fall, as you I'll catch one fishing, right you know so, uh, so yeah, no, I and you know, and what's so much fun about it is it just extends your season. Um, yeah, you know, usually after January thirty first, my season's over. Uh, the only thing I could do is maybe go to Arizona or something like that, extend my season for you know two more weeks. This extends my season. I get to work my dogs for you know until March thirty first. Uh, it's just That's so crazy. much fun to, to you know you get hire It's such a loop, just open season, so long, and um, I, it's just so much fun, man. You know, I was I was pretty pretty avid predator caller um before the falconry thing after uh, i got my bird going i was catching bunnies it was pretty hard dust off the coyote rifle you know Oh, i bet uh, i love that stuff uh, man it, it was uh, my especially in your first year
1: right yeah that would be tough having success for your first year and having to hang it up you know to go chase anything else man that would be yeah
2: yeah but it comes back to that thing like i was talking about earlier where i could you know uh go chase a lemon of roosters and then put the dogs up or you know yep. put the shotgun up and, and go chase them with the hawk it could be the same with coyotes you know and that's kind of what i did i would go find a little homestead or something after i'd make two or three stands in the morning and uh you know and then go get the bird out and go chase some bunnies around a little homestead or or uh you know a little woodblock or something
1: yeah that's awesome well you've told us some awesome stories so far but what's got to be one that you haven't said one of your top stories whether introducing the falconry whether not falconry hunting doesn't have to be falconry uh what's one of your favorite hunting stories
2: oh man favorite hunting stories oh We'll go into favorite falconry story, then we'll do favorite hunting story. I got too many stories, man. (laughs) Uh, No, um, probably my favorite falconry uh, little story is uh, I was hunting right next to a boat, kind of like a boat dock out here at our lake, and uh, just, uh, you know, core Engineer's Lake out here, and my dog just locks up just dead solid on point. I'm like, Holy cow. You know, he's pointing like he was pointing a rooster or something, just locked up, just tighter and I'll be out. And my birds, you know, I don't know, just real high in a cottonwood, probably 50, 60 feet up. And I see the bird come out of the tree. The dog's on point and my bird pitches straight up in the air and flies about 20 feet straight up and then just torpedoes straight down in front of the dog and just, just pounds a bunny into the ground. Uh-huh. And, it was just the coolest thing, you know. I mean, I would have paid so much money to have that on video. Just, I mean, it was what you strive for in falconry, you know. Between the bird work and the dog work, and everything worked out, and it was just, oh man, that was just what you live for, you know. Yeah. When you're, when you're pouring your heart and soul into this, um, man,
1: that would have been sick to see.
2: Yeah, it was cool, man. You know, it's it was it was something. I my my jaw was on the ground the entire time, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. But no yeah. other f- favorite hunting story i don't know probably my triple uh, i shot uh it's kind of a triple limit of uh, all the upland birds in kansas shot a limit of quail pheasants and chickens in one day it was just oh wow surreal, you know it was it was something else you know just the pinnacle we actually actually ended up going to meet two of my really good buddies um um, Oh, I don't know, two hours from me. And, uh, he goes, oh, I got some pheasants. You need to come up. He kept telling me He kept telling me. And, you know, this is like the second week of season. I wanted to go just, you know, load up and haul out West and just chase roosters, you know, and he kept ringing my bell and sending me Snapchats of pheasants. And I was like, you know what, I'll just run up and haul with my good buddy, Jason. I run up there and, um, him and the good friend that was with us, he, uh, he never really up and hunted before. So he had a little trouble shooting that day, but it's still a lot of fun. Um, uh, <laughs> And we just couldn't – we couldn't get out of birds, you know. It was just one of those days. And I ended up going ahead – oh, probably by noon or so, I ended up, you know, taking down my quail limit. And I kind of hung my shotgun up as far as the quail go. We ended up yeah. finishing our pheasant limit around 1 or 2 in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, she had our three-man pheasant. You know, I think we had – oh, our, you know, our quail limit's eight birds uh, and our pheasant limit's four. So oh, wow. we had we were taking pictures. You know, we had 14, 15 quail. Um, kind of – so <laughs> – it was a big eye opener to my old lady. You know, she was, she's pretty much a vegetarian when I met her and uh, (laughs) she was pretty big. eye opener to her. She was having a blast. She wasn't shooting, just walking along. And uh, so it was fun to share that experience with her. And uh, we're, you know, we get our pictures taken and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to run to the chicken field. Neither of those guys wanted to go. So, you know, it's two hours away for them. So I just hauled the mail to, uh, chicken field that I know. And, um, uh, you know, it's not a real big deal anymore to pass shoot chickens coming into grain, but you know, that's kind of where I cut my teeth and wing shooting growing up, uh, yeah. on my family's ranch, you know, and around that area, there was a ton of chickens then now, not so much. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where I cut my teeth. So it's something I really love. I love point- hunting hunt them over pointing dogs the most, but man, pass shooting still does a lot for me. And I keep, I keep one of my short hairs, you know, healed right next to me whenever I'm pass shooting them coming into grain and, you know, still get to have a little bit of dog work there. So it, yeah. it's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I hauled the mail back home and, uh, took down two chickens and it was super cool the way it happened. You know, I actually, um, I had a group of about 35 chickens coming into the grain and set up right where they were the night before when I watched them and, uh, you know, sat right there, shot two, one of them kind of, uh, I don't know. It was, it was a long, long fall for the chicken and went down behind some trees on the other side of the Creek. And, um, set my dog on her, you know, went on it like a 250 or 300 yard blind retrieve and brings me a chicken back. I couldn't believe it. You know, I've never really been trained to do that. She, she took her right to it, but she's, she's my baby. She's my money dog. Her name's Rye. So she's yeah. my favorite. That's
1: <laughs> awesome. How many, how many dogs you have?
2: So I got four now. I just picked up a puppy this season that I'm so excited about. Um, I have, uh, three older dogs that are, uh, two of them are eight. One of them's five. Um, just big old big old meat dog short hairs you know they're nothing special but they get the job done for me they've had a lot of bird contacts so they know the game i've chased yep. birds all over with them you know um was really happy how they did in arizona down there my gosh i i was so scared my dogs weren't gonna perform when they went to a different place and uh i was really i was really happy they did
0: yeah oh really yeah for sure
2: it. but uh but no i just picked up a nice little pup from a guy named kyle larson here in kansas and uh Hunt him up, kennels is the name and uh, of his kennel. And I just couldn't be happier with it. Tickled, uh, tickled pink with her, man. She's a solid liver, short hair, and good head on her. You know, it's a good looking little dog,
1: yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. First season with her, second season in falconry coming up.
2: That's exactly right. And you can't
1: beat it. Yeah, I think she's
2: 18 weeks old now. She's gonna, she's gonna see a couple, a couple few limits of chickens die in
1: September. I hope so, yeah. That's, so, uh, man. Yeah, you cannot beat that. Puppy stage is can be frustrating, but dang, it's so much fun bringing out a new oh, pup so to rewarding. the field. So oh, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have some good years ahead of you getting into oh, the falconry game that. and dogs and all that. That's awesome. So well, Jake, we appreciate you coming on, talking about Falconry, talking about your dogs, chickens, birds. Man, it, it was a great time. It this this podcast flew by. Yeah, um, I
2: really good. Did. I didn't even realize it was this long.
1: Yeah, so we appreciate you coming on. We might have to bring you on again, uh, you know, sometime mid-season or something. Uh, just talk about how your season's going compared to your first season and um, whatnot. So uh, be looking for me to reach back out to you. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Thanks very much, man. This is my first podcast. had so much fun. Yeah, dude, it was it was a good one. I uh, learned a lot, and uh, falconry is just a, a cool sport, and – um you know i'm glad it's not a a art that's being lost it seems like uh some more people are getting into it and uh keeping it alive which is heck good
2: exactly, yeah it really is man it's got the largest demographic of uh women in, of any hunting sports so yeah
1: that's crazy it's,
2: it's super cool and honestly the women falconers they, they're not to be messed with man they're <laughs> they're killing it
1: yeah that's awesome i uh we had yeah. one on she's from out east somewhere i can't remember exactly where um but yeah, that'd be, it'd be cool to see. I want to see it someday. And, um, I don't know if I'd get into it or not, but I definitely want to go on a hunt with it for sure.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And if, you know, that's, it's something you can enjoy with, uh, not having anything invested, in it, just going, you know, it's so much fun just to watch. So yeah. that, that's yep. always a fun. And the fun thing is, you know, you can take anybody, you yeah. know, um, and Falconers the Falconers I know are super generous with spots and stuff like that, you know, um, and I, I take nobody's, nobody's fighting me in Kansas over rabbit spots. Fezzle spots. Yeah. Rabbit yeah. spots, not so much, you know, yep.
1: that's the fun thing about it. Yeah. Get on those cottontails and they're good eating. I love rabbits. Oh my
2: gosh. I love them. I get the back legs are for me. The rest for the hawk.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's <laughs> some good, that's some good meat right there.
2: That's right. That's
1: right. So, awesome. Right, Old yeah, G-
2: Thank, thanks so much for having me on, dude. I'd love to come back home. I I'd, I'd, I'd had a ton of fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. We'll bring you back on sometime mid season and uh, talk about how season's going and whatnot
2: yeah sounds great
1: man awesome well we'll talk to you later all right thanks you